I want to share with you today, my friends, based on the authority of God's Word, that Jesus Christ must be high and lifted up in our lives if we're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Preaching the old-time gospel with a fresh anointing to to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with Evangelist Brian Tyndall. Worship. When you hear that word, what comes to mind? A choir or praise band playing a familiar hymn or a modern praise song? Today we'll hear a message from Brian Tyndall pointing out that genuine worship is more than just going to church and singing songs. Genuine worship begins with you and me personally and not just the church. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah experienced genuine worship and we can learn a lot from what he experienced. So turn now to Isaiah chapter 6 for a study entitled The Characteristics of Genuine Personal Worship. Here's Brian. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. And today I'm going to be speaking about the characteristics of genuine personal worship. What does it mean to genuinely worship the Lord personally? We know that as believers that we should worship the Lord, and many of us, we say that when we go to church that we're going to worship the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, many of the times that we think that we're worshiping the Lord, we might not be worshiping God. Because worship is more than just going to a service. Worship is more than just singing a few songs. Worship is more than just giving money in the offering plate or listening to a sermon. And today in Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to see a genuine personal worship experience. The prophet Isaiah really encountered the living Lord Jesus Christ. He saw Christ for who he is. He saw himself for who he is, and and he genuinely worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that the things that he experienced in his worship experience are the same things that every person ought to experience in our worship experience. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 6 today. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried into another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. In this passage of scripture, the prophet Isaiah had an encounter with a 
living God, with the living God. And when you and I worship, that's what's happening with us. We're coming into the presence of the living God. And as a creation of God, we are giving him worship. We are seeking to worship almighty God. And I want us to look at this passage of scripture and see some of the things that characterized Isaiah's worship. The first thing I see in verse one, the scripture says, and I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. When Isaiah began to worship God, one of the things that we see here is that God was lifted up. He was high and lifted up. And I believe with all my heart that if we're going to genuinely worship the Lord, he's got to be high and lifted up. In fact, I believe he's not only got to be high and lifted up, but he's got to be lifted higher than anything else in our lives. And you see, the problem may be in our worship. If we're going to worship the Lord or we're seeking to worship the Lord and we have something in our lives, maybe it's a person, maybe it's materialism, maybe it's money, maybe it's our job, maybe it's our family, maybe it's our grandchildren, but there's something in our lives that has taken that number one spot. It's the thing that we think about the most. It's the thing that we're concentrated on the most. It's the thing that our heart desires the most. And and I don't, you know, probably we didn't come to this point because uh, we woke up one day and said, I no longer want Jesus Christ to be the number one thing in our lives. As Christians, many times it's a, it's a process that happens over time. Uh, slowly but surely, as we live the Christian life, uh, other things begin to crowd in. Other things begin to take our time. Other things begin to take a preeminence in our life. And and maybe we're here today, and, and if I asked you the question, is Jesus Christ the number one thing in your life? Can you honestly say that Jesus Christ is more important than anything else in your life? Can you honestly say that Jesus Christ has that place of preeminence in your life today? And most of us, if we were asked that question, we would very quickly respond yes. But but it could be that we were saying yes because we know that he ought to have that number one place. It could be that we're saying yes because we know that he ought to be number one in our life. But what I'm going to ask us to do today is allow the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to examine our heart. And I want, you, I want us to ask ourselves a very important question. Is Jesus Christ truly number one in my life? I mean, if somebody on the outside could look at me and examine my life and and see me day in and day out and see me in those places where nobody else sees me and see how I spend my time and see what it is that I'm thinking and see what it is that 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 I'm desiring in my heart and see the, the people that I interact with and the places that I go and the way that I speak and the way that I spend my money. If that person on the outside could see me and all of those instances in my life, do you think that that person would say, yes, Jesus Christ is number one in this person's life? Or would we have to admit today that if that if somebody were to examine our life in that kind of detail today, that the truth of the matter is he might not be number one. We have allowed something else in our lives to take that place of preeminence. I want to share with you today, my friends, based on the authority of God's word that Jesus Christ must be high and lifted up 
up in our lives if we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. We can go to the church. We can sing songs. We can give money. We can listen to the pastor. We can do whatever it is that we want to do. But until Jesus Christ is number one in our life, we will never be able to worship God the way that he's called us to. And the truth is today, in many people's lives, they're religious. They're religious, but they're not worshiping God. And the reason that they're not is they've never been saved. They've never been born again. They've never confessed their sin and asked forgiveness of their sin. They've never placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never allowed him to be Lord of their life. He's never been able to have that place of preeminence in their life to start with. And so the place that worship begins is us giving our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, us confessing our sins and placing our faith in Christ and in Christ alone for salvation and allowing him to become Savior and Lord of our lives and that he might sit on that position, on that throne in our lives and that he might have that place of preeminence in our life. And if we are already a Christian, if we have accepted Christ in the past, then evaluating our lives and making sure that there's nothing that has been allowed to come into that place of preeminence, that there's nothing that's crept in, that there's nothing in this world that has taken the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we're going to truly worship the Lord, he must be high and lifted up in our lives. He must be lifted higher than anything else. But the scripture also says in verse two, that above it stood seraphim and each one had six wings and with two, he covered his face and with two, he covered his feet and with two, he did fly. We see the picture there that Isaiah saw as he saw the Lord high and lifted up on his throne. And in the vision that he saw and in this worship experience that he had as the Lord was lifted up above all things, he saw these seraphim with six wings flying around the throne of God. And these seraphim are created beings in heaven that have no other purpose but to worship the Lord all the time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, eternity without end. They're there before the throne of God as Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne and he's high and lifted up in heaven. And these seraphim are flying around that throne and they're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. They're doing what you and I were created to do and that's worship God. But it's interesting about these seraphim. Uh, they're, they're very interesting looking creatures because uh, we have winged animals here uh, on this earth and so we're used to seeing birds of all different types and animals that have wings. But uh, these seraphim had six wings, but they only used two of those wings for flying and the other four of those wings they used to cover themselves. The scripture said each one had six wings. With two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet. I think in this passage of scripture we get a, a characteristic of what true personal worship is. I believe that what we see in those seraphim is a spirit of humility. And just like I believe that we can't worship the Lord Jesus Christ unless he's lifted higher than anything else in our life, I also believe that we can't truly worship the Lord Jesus Christ if we don't come to him in a spirit of humility. Those seraphim use those wings to cover their face and cover their feet. And, and, and by doing that, they demonstrated a spirit of humility before God. Many times when we go to church, we spend a lot of time getting ready, uh, fixing ourselves, fixing our hair, women fixing their makeup, putting on our best clothes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we go to church 
church many times and, and we're there and we want to look our best and we're looking around to see other people and they have dressed to impress and, and everybody's there and many times we want people to see us and, and other people are there to be seen and even in our worship services a lot of times we uh, it has a lot of entertainment aspect to it in the music and the drama and, and it's there and, and, and we see people and we see their talent and their abilities on display. But the truth of the matter is this. When we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not coming into his presence to be seen. We are not coming into his presence to be impressive ourselves. We're not coming into his presence or into his sanctuary so that that it might be about us. But we're there that everything might be about him, that he might be lifted higher than anything else in our life, and that we might see ourselves as we really are, even as we see him as he really is, and that we as his creatures, Creation might humble ourselves. The scripture says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And I'm afraid that many times in our worship, in the way that we approach God, in the way that we come into his sanctuary, in the way that we come before him to worship him, we are exhibiting a spirit, not of humility, but of pride. And my friends, I'm here to tell you that you cannot worship God in pride. I can't worship God in pride. Nobody can and worship God in pride. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we come into his presence and we have a spirit of humility and we say to him by the, by the way that we dress, by the way that we act, by the, by the attitudes that we exhibit, by the, by the expressions and in, in words that we make in, in word and in song, that we express that humility, that we know that he is the creator and we are the created, that he's the one that is perfect and we're the ones that are imperfect. And we're coming before him and we're bowing before him as the God of this universe and as the savior of the world. And we're putting our hope and faith in him and not in ourselves. Only in that type of spirit of humility can we really worship the Lord. But I want you to see that just as Jesus Christ must be lifted higher than anything else, and just as we must have a spirit of humility, the scripture also teaches that if we want to truly worship the Lord Jesus Christ, that we must be focused on the holiness of God. In verse 3, the scripture says, And one of the seraphim cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so we see that when Isaiah was worshiping the Lord. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And as he saw the Lord on his throne high and lifted up, he humbled himself in the presence of God, even as these seraphim that were worshiping him were humbled. And he saw that these seraphim were saying, holy, holy, holy. They were focused on the holiness of God. What is it that you and I focus on when we go to church to worship God or when we have our private times of devotion and seek to worship God individually? What is it that we're focused on? I'm afraid that many times when I go to church, I see people that are focused on things other than the holiness of God. I'm afraid there's many times in my own life that I've gone to church. And if 
if you would have asked me, Brian, why are you here today? I would have said, I'm here to worship the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, I was focused on the musician, or I was focused on the instruments, or I was focused on how long the pastor's sermon was, or I was focused on how cold the temperature was, or how hot it was, or I was focused on some other aspect of what was going on in that service. But the truth is this, when we truly come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship him, and we lift him higher than anything else in our lives, and we humble ourselves in his presence, we must be focused on his holiness. And I believe with all my heart that if we will focus on the holiness of God, like these seraphim, that nothing else will matter. It won't matter whether the sermon is short or long. It won't matter whether we sing out of a hymn book or whether we sing praise songs. It won't matter what types of instruments are being played. It won't matter who's there and who's not there in that service. It won't matter how big the crowd is or how small it is. It won't matter if the temperature is hot or cold. You see, if we go into the presence of God and we worship him in spirit and in truth and we focus on his holiness, then nothing else will matter. He is holy. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. He's holy. It doesn't matter how long the preacher preaches. He's holy. It doesn't matter whether I like the music or not. He is holy. And we need to focus on the holiness of God in our worship. But the scripture says in verse four, as Isaiah was worshiping the Lord, it says in the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So I want us to get a picture of this as Isaiah is worshiping God. He is lifted higher. God is lifted higher than anything else. And the spirit of humility from Isaiah and from the seraphim. And then we see that they're focused on the holiness of God. And then we see that when they worship God, when they worship God, that something was shaken. Something was shaken. Now, in this passage of scripture, it was literally the doorpost of the temple itself that was shaken. But I can assure you of this. Anytime somebody or a group of people genuinely worship the Lord, anytime Jesus Christ is lifted higher than anything else, anytime that there is a spirit of humility before the living God, anytime that we come and worship and focus on the holiness of God, he's going to shake something up in our lives. Now, it might not be the literal doorpost of the church, but it's going to be the foundation of our lives that he shakes. You see, many times I believe we go to church and, and we, we come and we go through the, the processes of the service and the different aspects of the service and we leave those services. And the truth of the matter is we leave just as we were when we came in. There's not much difference between us when we leave worshiping God than there was when we came before him to worship him. And I just don't believe that's possible. I don't believe that it is possible to truly, genuinely worship the Lord and to leave unchanged. I believe every time we genuinely worship the Lord, he's going to shake something up in our lives. He's going to shake something up. He's going to change something that needs to be changed. He's going to point out something that we need to repent of. He's going to point out some aspect of our life where we are neglecting part of what he wants us to do in our lives. Something is going to be shaken up. If we come to God in worship and leave the same as we came, 
then I believe that we haven't really worshipped the Lord. I believe one of the signs, one of the characteristics of true worship, even as we see it here in the book of Isaiah, is that when we truly worship the Lord, something is going to be shaken up. Let me ask you today, when is the last time that you can honestly say, God shook something up in my life. God changed me. God did something so revolutionary in my life. He did something so revolutionary in my spirit that I can say that something in my life got shaken up. Something in in the way that I live, in the way that I act, in the attitudes that I exhibit, something got shaken up in my life. I have been changed. I have been moved by the Spirit of the living God. I would say to you that probably the last time that you were shaken up, the last time God got a hold of you through his word, God got a hold of you through his Holy Spirit, and God began to speak to you and challenge you and convict you, and you responded to that, uh, probably that's the last time that you really worship the Lord. But the scripture says, not only is Jesus Christ lifted higher than anything else when we worship him, and not only is there a spirit of humility, and not only are we focused on the holiness of God, and something is shaken up, but the scripture says here that there's also going to be confession of sin. We see in verse 5 that as Isaiah was having this worship experience, he began to confess his sin. In verse 5 it says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, as Isaiah was worshiping the Lord, one of the things that naturally came from that worship experience, one of the things that was naturally birthed out of that genuine, authentic worship experience was he began to see himself as he really is. He began to see his sin. He began to see the things in his life that were wrong. He began to see where he had disobeyed God. He began to see where he was outside of the perfect will of God. And I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe that when we come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and we lift him higher than anything else in our life and we come before him in a spirit of humility focused on the holiness of God and he begins to shake things up in our lives through the power of his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we're inevitably not only going to see Christ for who he is and all of his grandeur and holiness, but we're going to see ourselves as who we are in all all of our sin and depravity. And I believe that we're going to begin to confess our sin, even as Isaiah confessed his sin. The scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we will confess our sin, that he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we must confess our sin. And I believe that when we really, truly, genuinely worship God, we will confess our sin. But I'm going to tell you, I've been preaching the gospel for a long time, for many years. And I have preached in churches all over the United States and in many countries of the world. And many of the worship services that I have been in, where the gospel has been preached and where people have been present... I have been through those services and I have, I, I can honestly say that I have not seen 
very much genuine confession. You see, we live in a world today where there is more of an attitude of justification, that we, we don't have a spirit of confession. We have a spirit of justification, not a spirit of repentance, but a spirit of justification. We want to look around and we want to say, well, I know that I'm not all that I should be. I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I don't do everything that God would want me to do, but I, but I, but I do many things and, and we want to justify ourselves and we want to look around and find people that are doing worse than we're doing. And we want to compare ourselves to those people rather than and comparing ourselves to the perfect Lord Jesus Christ rather than measuring ourselves by the standard of his word. But my friends, when we really worship God, there is no place for a spirit of justification. When you truly, genuinely worship the Lord Jesus Christ, not only are you going to see your Savior for who he is, but you're going to see yourself for who you are. And every single one of us are sinners that are in need of a Savior. Sinners that are in need of forgiveness and cleansing. The scripture says in verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Not only am I going to confess my sin when I truly have a worship experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, but any time that I have an authentic worship experience, there's going to be forgiveness and cleansing that takes place in my life. You see, when we worship the Lord, we will confess our sin. We will see ourselves for who we really are. We won't have a spirit of justification, but a spirit of repentance. And when we confess our sin, Jesus Christ is always willing to forgive and to cleanse us of our sin. Every time we worship the Lord, whether it's in the privacy of our own home or in our own heart, or whether it's before hundreds or thousands of people in a sanctuary somewhere in a public corporate worship service, if we genuinely worship the Lord, something is going to happen in that worship experience where I not only confess my sin to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that only the blood of Jesus Christ can bring into my life. And you say, well, Brian, I thought salvation took place only one time. I thought I was only saved one time. That's right. Salvation is something that takes place once when we are born again by the Spirit of God, when we confess our sin and repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ and in Christ alone. And he does a regenerating work in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're born again into the family of God. That took place in my life when I was seven. 17 years old, and it's never had to take place again. It's a one-time experience. But I can tell you this, my friend, salvation came only once, but forgiveness and cleansing need to come every day. You see, the Bible says that we're sinners. And just because we're saved, just because we're born again, just because there was a time in our past where we became children of God, that doesn't mean that we stop sinning. We still disobey. We still get out of the will of God. We still do things that are wrong. And we need a daily cleansing and forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the place and the time that we need to receive that is when we worship 
the Lord. Every time we worship the Lord, confession of sin and forgiveness and repentance. The scripture tells us clear that Isaiah had that kind of experience. He not only confessed his sin, but he received forgiveness and cleansing from the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see this. The scripture says that when Isaiah had this worship experience, not only was Jesus Christ lifted higher than anything else, not only was there a spirit of humility in that worship, not only were they focused on the holiness of God, not only was something shaken up in their lives and confession of sin was made and forgiveness and cleansing came through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see that when Isaiah worshiped the Lord, he heard from the Lord. He heard from the Lord. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah heard from the Lord. And I believe based on the authority of the word of God that any time we worship God, Anytime we genuinely and authentically worship God, we are going to hear from the Lord. Now, the Bible says that God has revealed himself, has spoken to his people in many and sundry ways through the ages. We know that there was a time that God literally came down in the Garden of Eden and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening and, and was there personally with them and spoke to them literally as two friends walking together in the garden. We know that God has spoken in times past through dreams and visions and angels. God has spoken in many different ways. But today, my friends, God is speaking primarily through his word. He has given us the word of God and the word of God is infallible. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is true. The word of God is inerrant. God has given us his word and it is a sure word. Anytime we open the Bible, anytime we read the Bible, anytime we hear somebody preach and teach from the Bible, we are hearing the very words of God. It is as if God were speaking to us audibly when we hear his word, because it is the word of God. It is the voice of God to us. And so when we go into a worship experience, whether that be in the privacy of our living room as we open the word of God and begin to read scripture, or whether that be in a sanctuary somewhere in corporate worship when a preacher or teacher stands up and opens the word of God and begins to read the word of God publicly and preach and proclaim that truth publicly. If we are hearing the word of God, then we're hearing the voice of God. We're hearing from God. We need to have a genuine worship experience. We don't need to just go to church. We don't need to just sing songs. We don't need to just go through the elements of the service. We need to be people that genuinely worship Almighty God. He has created us. He has saved us. He has sustained us by his blessings. He is our creator. He is our savior. He is our Lord and our God. And he is worthy of our praise and our worship. And we need to make sure that what worship we give him is in spirit and in truth. We need to make sure that the worship that we give him is authentic. He said, well, Brian, how do I know if I'm really worshiping God? Well, one of the ways you'll know 
is if the Lord is speaking to you. You say, well, Brian, what is he going to speak to me about? I don't know. He could speak to you about many things. That's one of the things I love about the power of God's word, that it's alive, that it's sharp, that it's active, uh, that it never comes back void. And I know that because through the years I have preached sermons and I would preach uh, the word of God and I would read passages out of the word of God. And at the end of those services, people would come up to me and they would say, Brother Brian, God spoke to me today personally about this or about that. And in a few minutes, another person would come by and shake my hand and say, Brother Brian, it was as if God were speaking to me personally today. It was, if, it was as if that message was specifically for me. And they would tell me how God had spoken to them. And it would be totally different than the way he had spoken to those other people. They heard the same message. They heard the same sermon. They heard the same scripture read out of the word of God. And yet God spoke to them differently from his word. He spoke to them personally about something in their life that they were going through. My friends, God is speaking today, and he's primarily speaking through the authoritative power of his word. When is the last time you worship the Lord? It could very well be the last time that you heard the voice of God, that you heard God speak to you. Maybe he spoke to you about somebody you need to forgive. Maybe he spoke to you about something that you've been neglecting in the Christian life. Maybe he spoke to you about somebody that you need to witness to, that you need to share the gospel with. Maybe he spoke to you about the fact that you had been robbing him in tithes and offerings. Maybe he spoke to you about your need to be saved. You see, my friends, if you're, if you're uh, listening to this sermon today, uh, I don't care how many times you've been to church. I don't care if you're a member of a church or not. I don't care if you've been baptized or not. I don't care how many times you think you've worshiped God. If you have never been born again, if you've never confessed your sin and placed your faith in Christ and in Christ alone and asked him to forgive you and to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior, then you have never been saved. And so there's no way that you can worship God in truth and in spirit. There's no way that you can authentically worship the Lord until you respond to him in obedience to be saved. And if you've never been saved, then that's the thing God's going to be speaking to you about. And he's going to continue to speak to you about that over and over again through the power of the spirit of God until you respond to him in obedience. My friends, I want you to see the last characteristic of worship today. The last characteristic of worship we see in the latter part of verse 8, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. So these characteristics of worship that we can look at our own life today and evaluate our own worship through these characteristics that we see in the word of God. Is Jesus Christ lifted higher than anything else in my life? Do I have a spirit of humility when I come to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I focused on the holiness of God or is my focus on some of these earthly temporal things? Is there something in my life that's being shaken up? Am I allowing God to change me and transform me and mold me into the person that he has created me to be? Am I confessing my sin? Am I seeing my sin? Am I admitting my sin? Do I have a repentant spirit or do I have a justifying spirit? 
Am I receiving forgiveness and cleansing? Am I leaving that service? Am I leaving that worship experience different than I was when I came in? When I came in, I came with the baggage of sin. I came with the burden of sin. I came with the weight of sin that had come into my life. But in that service, I confessed my sin and received the forgiveness and cleansing that can only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that the experience that you have in worship? Have you heard from the Lord? Have you heard from the Lord? My friends, if you haven't heard from the Lord, then you haven't worshiped God. Many times when I would preach the gospel and I would go back at the the back of the sanctuary and people would come and shake my hand. People have said this to me many, many times. They would say something like, Brother Brian, uh, I really enjoyed your message today. You you really spoke to me today. And and I think I understand what they were saying. They were trying to be complimentary and, and I appreciate it. But I tell you that that scares me some because if the The only thing that people are hearing when they hear me preach is they're hearing from me. If the only thing they're doing is they're hearing from Brian Tyndall, if the only thing that's happening is they're hearing from the preacher, then they are not truly, genuinely worshiping the Lord. Because when we truly, genuinely worship the Lord, we're not just going to hear from a preacher, we're going to hear from God himself. Are you hearing from the Lord? And then finally, Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Isaiah responded in obedience to what the Lord had said to him. Now, there's many times that people have been in a worship service or I've been in a worship service and we have heard the word of God read and we have heard sermons preached on many different topics and we left that church and we knew that we had heard from the Lord. The Lord had spoken to us through his word about forgiveness or about witnessing or about something that needed to be changed in our life or something that we needed to do that we were not doing. And how many times have we ever heard from God in worship and we left that worship experience and we did not obey what God had told us to do. Isaiah not only heard from the Lord, but he was obedient to what the Lord said. The Lord said, who will go for us? And Isaiah responded positively. He said, here I am, Lord, send me. I would suggest to you today, my friends, based on the authority of God's word, that we cannot truly worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth until we respond in obedience to what it is that he's speaking to us in our worship experience. When we hear God speak through his word, when we hear God speak through his Holy Spirit into our heart, and he tells us things that we should be doing or that we should be stopping that we're doing, we must respond in obedience or we are not worshiping. If we go and sing and give and, and, and have what would seemingly be a powerful worship experience, but we leave that experience and we do not respond to the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience, then I would suggest to you today that we have not worshiped God, but we have literally disobeyed God. We are literally living in sin. What's happened to us is not a worship experience, but indeed it is a, a an experience that's turned into an experience of disobedience. And so, my friends, where are you today in your worship? Are you truly, genuinely worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you're listening to this sermon today, 
and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you know that he's speaking to you through his word and through the power of his Holy Spirit, even at this very moment, about your need to be saved. My friends, you cannot worship God until you respond to him positively. And there's no greater way to respond to the Lord positively than to accept his invitation of salvation. And so if you're listening to this sermon today and you've, you've been thinking about needing to be saved and, and it's something that, that's been on your mind and God's spoken to you about it at different times in the past, but for whatever reason you've been putting it off, for whatever reason you've, you've just said, not now, then I pray today will be the day when you hear from God and you respond in obedience and in repentance and faith. But my friends, it's very possible that there are many people that are listening to this message today that you're already saved. You're already saved. You've been saved for a long time. And you have a desire to worship God. That's the reason that you go to church. That's the reason that you're listening to this sermon. Because there's something in you that truly, genuinely desires to worship God. But it could be that even though you desire worship, what you've been experiencing has left you unfulfilled. It's as if I desire worship, but I don't really feel like I'm worshiping the Lord. Then I would ask you today to make sure that Jesus Christ is lifted higher than anything else in your life. Make sure that you're coming before him in a spirit of humility. Make sure that you're focused on his holiness and nothing else. Make sure that you're willing to allow him to shake anything in your life up that needs to be shaken. Make sure that every time you come into his presence that you confess your sin. Make sure that every time you come into his presence that you receive the promise of God that if we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Receive the forgiveness and cleansing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we worship him, we should leave different than when we came in. We should leave with a fresh forgiveness and a fresh cleansing. We should leave that are vessels that are able to be filled and used to the glory of God. Make sure that when you worship God, that you're not trying to hear from a man, that you're not trying to hear from a pastor, but you're trying to hear from the Lord himself. And the best place to hear from the Lord is in his word. Get in his word, read his word, listen to his word, obey his word. And when you hear from God, when you hear from his word, you will have heard from the Lord. And every time you worship him, when you hear from him, no matter what passage of scripture you've read, no matter what topic the pastor has preached on, when you hear from the Lord, make sure that you respond as Isaiah did by saying, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, ready to obey. Here am I, Lord, ready to change anything in my life that needs to be changed with your help and with your power. I want to be in the center of your will for my life. I want to walk every day in the center of God's will for my life. And today, I'm willing to hear from the Lord, and I'm willing to respond in obedience to what I hear him say. My friends, if we'll allow our worship to be like that, if we will listen to these characteristics that were in Isaiah's worship, and if we will allow those same characteristics to be in our worship, 
I believe with all my heart that it will transform the way that we worship God. My prayer for you is that you will know the Lord Jesus Christ and that you will worship him with all of your soul, with all of your might, with all of your strength, with everything that you have, that we will all worship the Lord. Here I am, send me. That's the cry of a believer who truly worships the Lord. This is Saved to the Uttermost, and you've been listening to a message from evangelist Brian Tyndall entitled, The Characteristics of Genuine Personal Worship. If you'd like to receive a CD copy of this message, simply visit uttermostevangelism.org for details on how to order. That website again is uttermostevangelism.org. If you prefer to write us, just send a letter to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, that's P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, zip 38863. You can also phone us at 662-372-1912, 662-372-1912. However you contact us, we'd love to send you a free resource by Brian entitled Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. This book examines five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. The book is our gift to you for simply telling us you heard the offer on the Save to the Uttermost program. Brian Tyndall is the founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. Brian has been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for over 25 years and has pastored churches and preached revivals and evangelistic meetings in the United States and in Europe. In fact, Brian and his family served for eight years as church planting missionaries in Romania and planted five churches there. Today, Brian ministers through Uttermost Evangelism as a full-time missionary evangelist. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost broadcast are funded by the generous gifts of people just like you. Your support helps further kingdom growth. Send your tax-deductible donation to P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863, or visit uttermostevangelism.org. Thanks for listening today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through Him. God bless. Saved to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.